1: To convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is the Triple Threat Theater, episode number 43, and my name is Ryan Miller. I'm Joe Daxberger. Kids got the best line readings in the game. <laughs> Stole that one from Futurama, oh, I did. Damn, I wouldn't even have known. Today, we're going to be talking about movies that not only take place in the distant future, Mm -hmm. but movies that also take place in space. Oh. The Final Frontier. Indeed. Hence the title of the episode. Mm -hmm. Look at us, clever. (laughs) Uh, Why don't you do the honors and let people know what we're watching and why? Well, Milzy, this was an episode you came up with. It was. It's my fault that we had to do this.
0: You know, I'm not going to be quick to say that we've abused our power here at Triple Threat Theater, <laughs> because you know the, there's fun for us in these coming up with these ludicrous trifectas. Clearly, it seemed like a good idea at the time. It's the gist of the show. I mean this this one is a uh, it's its own special bit of magic, Milzy.
1: <laughs> if that's what you want to
0: call it. Yeah, I do. Because sometimes you've got a. Kind of popular, maybe successful, maybe not so much horror trilogy, let's say, horror series, and for, um, you know, whatever reason, you decide, like, you know, what makes the most sense for these characters are to go to space.
1: (laughs) Give this franchise a shot in the arm and send them
0: to the fucking moon. Apparently. So, Bilzi, that brings us to these three. We've got Hellraiser Bloodline. Um, 1996 Yes Leprechaun 4 In Space Also from 1996
1: Actual title Leprechaun 4 In Space uh-huh.
0: And Jason X From 2001 mm-hmm. Your boy My friend Jason Voorhees
1: So All sequels uh-huh. That Anywhere from 4 to 10 movies Into the franchise Right uh, I don't know I wouldn't really call Hellraiser And or Pinhead a slasher movie Exactly but for the sake of Ease we'll say slasher franchises Where uh, It's just a weird trend that at some Point I feel like I noticed that like these Horror movies that have nothing to do with Outer space are eventually just like Hey to mix it up Let's just go to outer space Like whose fault is it do you think Whose fault? (laughs) Yeah like what started it Well I mean the first one to do it I guess was Hellraiser Bloodline I'll tell you that When I originally conceived of this idea, I hadn't seen Leprechaun in space, but I knew there was one. I had seen Jason X before, so obviously knew that was in space. The original trio that I came up with was Those Two and Critters 4, right? because that one also takes place in space. I don't know what year that came out. It might have been before Hellraiser Bloodline. I'm not sure. But I ended up like thinking to myself, ah, there's got to be another one, because- Critters are aliens in the first place They come from space So I was like It's not as interesting That they eventually make a movie That takes place in space Those are sci-fi horror movies already Yeah So I was just like There has to be Because Sending Jason Voorhees to outer space Like when they're making that first movie In like 1981 Mm -hmm. Or whatever it was Mm -hmm. Like this little movie About uh, Mrs. Voorhees Murdering a bunch of like Sexed up kids at a summer camp Yep Just like, imagine telling them, like walking up to Sean Cunningham and saying, hey, in uh, 20 years, there's going to be a 10th Jason movie and it's going to be in space. Like, his fucking head would explode. And I'm sure the people who created Leprechaun weren't thinking he was going to go to space either. Yeah. The Critters, though, it feels like that would be a inevitability. Like, it only makes sense. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so at some point I... I guess I took to Google and was like, slasher movies in space. And Hellraiser came up and I was like, perfect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's how we ended up with The Final Frontier. Part of me definitely wishes they were all just like, Hellraiser in space. Jason in space. (laughs) Leprechaun 4 in space.
1: Well, believe it or not, uh, Jason X, I had seen before, like I said. That was the first Friday the 13th movie I ever saw. And for years, was the only one I had seen. That's a fascinating anecdote. God, I love, <laughs> I love that,
0: Millsy. down to my bones.
1: Because uh, I had friends who liked the movies, but as I've said ad nauseum in different forums, I've ne- I was never like a big slasher movie guy when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I like never sought them out. And it was one of those things where like the tenth one came out, and a bunch of us like rented it. It wasn't my idea, mm. and we watched it. And uh, so, for years after that, that group of friends and I, instead of Jason X or Uber Jason, which is like Ugh. technically what he's supposed to be called, uh, we just referred to him in that movie and that movie as Space Jace. So that's what I've I always mean, called it. So
0: that makes the most sense, hands down. That it would be
1: Friday the Thirteenth Part Ten. Space Jace is, I, I think, a better title. But I mean, unfortunately, uh, I don't. I don't know the full history with all the like weird legal shit with um. Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. we would need one of our former co-hosts, Tony Sidani or Joel Lolar, right. to tell us all about that. But at the time when they made that 10th movie, they didn't have the rights to the name Friday the 13th, 13th yeah. for whatever
0: reason. One guy's got Friday the 13th. The other guy's got Jason. That's all I know. <laughs> it's far more complicated than that, but that's the break guy. I know it's like two guys. So weird. So I had also seen Jason X. I'm pretty sure aforementioned Joel Lolar and Tony, one or both of them, I'm sure I saw this in the theater with them. Growing mm. up on Friday the 13th Movies I don't know if I could have necessarily been like All about it at the time Trying to think of like where I was at like You know emotionally or uh, You know <laughs> uh, maturity wise What I like exactly thought Of Jason X seeing it mm-hmm. But I remember not, be- not, not Being a fan in the end So um Probably because it's just too It was too out there for me at the time But yeah You know
1: I, I know that we got, my group of friends and I got a couple of laughs out of it, but uh, mm-hmm. we watched it at my house. It was like late, and my parents were sleeping in the other room at the time, and something happens at the end of the movie that we all busted out laughing at so much that my dad had to come out and tell us to shut
0: up. <laughs> nice.
1: Well, all right. I mean, it could be salvageable just from that, Mills. <laughs> That's like my outstanding memory of the first time seeing it. <laughs> yeah, so I I, at the current time when we watched these movies for this episode, I had seen Hellraiser one and two
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of had an inkling of like, Oh, maybe I should watch three before four. But I mean, time makes fools of us all. That's hey, true. another Futurama reference. <laughs> and, uh, Firing on all cylinders. I was like, you know what? I doubt I really need to know anything before going into Hellraiser bloodline. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had seen the first leprechaun and, uh, didn't really feel like it was pertinent to see two and three before watching the fourth one either. Uh, where do you where do you stand with these franchises before this episode?
0: So like I said, Friday thirteenth, um, seen them all. I kinda like grew up on seven was probably the one I'd seen the most. Seven and eight even, with the he fights the telekinetic girl on seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes to Manhattan, kind of. <laughs> eight. Um allegedly. <laughs> right. Allegedly it, you know, spends a lot of time in Toronto on a sound stage in a boat, but whatever. Hmm. So I, like, always have, like, some love for those ones, even though I know they're kind of, like, universally panned at this point. Although I do think Jason looks the coolest in Seven still, because that's when he comes out of the uh, Crystal Lake. He's all, like, kind of decaying, and he's got a chain around his neck and whatnot. But anyways, so yeah, kind of grew up on those. Saw Jason X. I don't remember being a fan of it, maybe even at all. And then that was the only time I saw it. Pretty sure it was in the theater, but... I can't be sure at this point. Well aware of Leprechaun as a franchise. Never seen any of them. Mm, this
1: was your first Leprechaun first, film, eh?
0: Yeah. yeah. No uh, Jennifer Aniston in the original. I know that's a thing, but haven't seen <laughs> yep. any of them. Well aware of this like, a, I think the third one's like Leprechaun in the Hood or whatever. I yeah. think the Hood movies come after in space,
1: so oh. I wanna, I think. Oh, geez. I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe. I, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, me neither. But... Uh... Yeah, I think he went to space, and then he went to the hood twice. Oh, okay. It was so popular, they did it a second time. <laughs> They're like, space? No
0: no dice. More hood. Yeah.
1: Okay. Not to bury the lead, but uh, they never went back to space, mm. if that tells you anything.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. So yeah, it's Hel- uh, Leprechaun, next to nothing. Hellraiser. Uh, I had watched the original Hellblazer. I'm sorry, Hellraiser. Hellblazer. <laughs> uh couple- Hellblazer, cup- very different. Yeah, I know. A uh, couple years back for Shocktober wasn't like the biggest fan of it's got some good practical oh, no. effects but it's not really particularly my jam that's i know you said like you don't necessarily say it's a slasher i guess i kind of agree with that it's not really sci-fi i mean if you had to you know hold me down to it i would just say it's like uh go well <laughs> i was gonna say horny fetish horror but <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I don't know if it just it stands on its own as that thing, but just that that's the impression I got from watching the movie. I never like. I have a feeling Clive Barker would dig that distinction. Yeah. I mean I'd have to look at a list of what Clive Barker movies are, but maybe he's the only one that makes them, but I could just remember uh, like, you know, even watching this one and just being like, you know I mean Pinhead's got his nipples out, belly buttons exposed. I mean it's just like, you know, some of the stuff he says, it's just like I'm pretty sure
1: Rawhead Rex is it's like a Scottish or Irish like folklore about a a monster that it's all some kind of thinly veiled metaphor for a penis or something. Oh, rawhead Rex. Oh, that a... makes sense. I guess it's been a while since I've watched it, but I feel like I've heard that somewhere. Is that one of his movies? That's another one of his. Oh, yeah. Man, this is going to be a dangerous trifecta
0: coming down the line?
1: <laughs> penis <laughs> monsters. Let's do it. I'm
0: sure there's three of them.
1: Uh, we can get James Gunn's Tromeo and Juliet uh, in there
0: I, You see, sometimes these things just make themselves Here at Triple Threat There is also
1: a movie I don't know how we'd ever be able to find it But there is a movie called The Killer Condom
0: Wow Those are the encyclopedia of <laughs> movies Gotta love it
1: I've spent a lot of time on the internet in my time <laughs> and, you, <laughs> anyway. and you
0: know I appreciate it, sir
1: <laughs> I'm glad it can be put to use somewhere Nice
0: It can, and will Um <laughs> So, yeah, Hellraiser is just not, not, just not my vibe.
1: Not really my jam. Um, Fair enough. I think... You didn't like all the sites that Pinhead had to show
0: you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get the cultural impact and the look of them and everything. There's some cool, the Cenobites or whatever from that from the first one. I thought, like, kind of cool. Some of it's, like, a little too much for me, but I, I get it. It's something I won't, like, knock, especially after seeing it. Like, I, I get it, but... Not my jam. Fair enough. I th- I think I was aware beforehand that there was some space involved there somewhere. I See, I never knew that until
1: I actually made this list. I, I feel
0: maybe, but yeah. It's, also, it's hard to tell at these points, but... It's just a shame that Freddy Krueger hasn't been to space yet. Ooh. I mean, does that, could that be the first triple threat, like, uh, letter-writing campaign? <laughs> I feel like there's Freddy probably been a few already that we've talked about on the show, but... <laughs> I'm down for it. Well, you know, us actually executing one, but... (laughs) Yeah, Mills, that's where I'm at. All
1: right, well, uh, what do you say we dive into our first film and see if uh, Bloodline turned you all around on Hellraiser?
0: Let's do it, sir. All
1: right, so from 1996, Hellraiser, Bloodline. Just
0: back it up against the wall. You heard him, back it up. Don't make us put some pain on you. Pain how dare you use that word he's got pins in his head what you think of this pain is only a shadow pain has a face allow me to show it to you gentlemen i
1: am pain thing that Stood out to me immediately Like I feel like the thing I will remember this movie for mm-hmm. Is uh, the one name cast member in the movie Yes uh, Did you take notice of this person while watching the film? Because I was pretty sure I recognized him right away and then, like, he, he he's typically in, like, candlelight, and you don't get a good look mm-hmm. at his face, but it, eventually I saw him, and I was like, holy
0: shit. It wasn't immediate for me. I can't re- quite even recall, like, at what point, because I think even first seeing him, I was like, just didn't register. And then I thought, like, got an inkling of someone was familiar, but then, like, it might have been, like, a clear, bright shot where I was like, holy shit. Is that Adam Scott? <laughs> Adam Scott, Millsy.
1: Adam Scott. This is, like, one of his first ever acting roles.
0: And it's just crazy because,
1: like, you think back on, like, you already mentioned Jennifer Aniston is, like, famously in the first Leprechaun. And it's, like, the movie she'd probably like people to forget in her career. Of course. And then it's, like, oh, the first Friday the 13th has um, uh, Kevin Bacon. And the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street has Johnny Depp Depp in a role. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you've got, like, the one Texas Chainsaw movie that has, like, Renée Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. Like, there's a lot of people who, just as trivia, I know, like, oh, and early in their career, this big-name actor was in this shitty horror movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i a big fan of Parks and Recreation. I've watched that entire series through, like, three times. I don't know how I never knew that Adam Scott
0: was in a Hellraiser totally. movie. I mean, I feel like Adam Scott's, like, been around... Like a while at this point, yeah. I remember him in like Step Brothers as like the. Well, he's definitely been brother. around
1: since 1996.
0: Well, yeah. Hellraiser Bloodline. Maybe just never taken that deep dive in the IMDb, but yeah.
1: I just I feel like I would have heard that somewhere. He's like a comedy guy, and like he's one of those dudes that's probably been on like a thousand podcasts. I've heard and right.
0: It, that just feels like one of those anecdotes that I would have heard by like now. You feel like you'd know someone out there would have been like giving him shit on a podcast for his first role being Hellraiser Bloodline. Yeah. He's running around a powdered wig or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. What a weird character, too. Like,
1: so this movie essentially takes place in three different time periods. It opens in the future in 2127 on, like, a space station. And there's a character there, and he's fucking around with the puzzle box, and he, like, summons Pinhead on this space station. And then, like, some soldiers come in, and they, like, take the guy captive, and he. He's like very urgent, like, oh, you have to let me go. I have to do something. It's like kind of vague at the beginning, but then he ends up telling the story of his like family lineage, hence why the movie is called Hellraiser Bloodline. And so he, like, it cuts back to 1796, which is the storyline that Adam Scott is. Like you said, he wears like a powdered wig and he's like the manservant of this like eccentric weirdo who wants to like summon a demon into a woman's flayed skin and make like a
0: sex slave for himself or something? I mean question mark because I feel like they really don't lay it out enough to know exactly what anyone's doing. Yeah. How familiar are you with the lore of Hellraiser?
1: Uh, I mean, not super familiar. Me, me like neither. I say I've seen those two films uh,
0: I, you know, I just I j I generally just go with it. <laughs> Makes sense. I think everyone involved is um is <laughs> Is the the box has been around the entire time, right? Yeah, it's in the first movie. Okay, but even like in the first one, do they like bring up the deal with the box, or is this the first time you're the whole point of this movie is to give you the origin of the box? I, I
1: guess, to the best of my knowledge, this is like the origin. Like the first time it's been told. I don't know if it was ever insinuated before, like where it's from. Mm-hmm. I always got the feeling like it's some ancient thing and everybody always wants it. And it's one of those things that's like kind of legendary or mythical and you hear about it mm-hmm. and you like in the second movie, there's like a, a doctor at an insane asylum or something who's like obsessed with finding one of the boxes and it's all it's all these people who like want to summon demons yeah. for whatever
0: reason. But So again, back to that first not Adam Scott, the other weirdo he works for that Got the toy maker to make the box to, I guess, either open a doorway to hell or just summon a demon or any demon.
1: They don't really tell you. Yeah, they don't really explain it. Like, this guy wants to, like, they get a woman, they skin her, and then they use the box to, like, summon a demon, which then takes possession of, like, the empty skin sock of this woman. (laughs) uh and Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> they, they make her their slave basically like they summoned her to earth so she has to do what they want and then the guy whose idea it was ends up dying and uh i i guess the demon has the power to make her master uh immortal or something because then like when it cuts to the middle storyline 1996 adam scott still alive and looks the same and as far as we know, has just been using this demon as a sex slave for, like,
0: 300 years or whatever. It seems like it. 200 years. Uh, quick side note. I mean, it's going to be game over, some, some of these other podcasts, when we get into the merch game. I don't know what we're going to do with Empty Skin Sock, but... <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be t-shirts, buffer ziggers, whatever, but just...
1: Huh. I think that that could be the uh, the downfall of the show <laughs> If we start selling something called a skin sock,
0: skin sock.
1: But, uh, you know, we work up some designs and I'll hey, see I'm your pitch
0: We'll just say it, you know,
1: get some traffic but... <laughs> All right. but yeah, so essentially, long way around uh, In 1776, Weirdo commissions a toy maker to create the puzzle box uh, whether or not he knows what it's going to do I mm-hmm. don't know and then we cut to 200 years later it's 1996 the 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 toy maker dies in the opening but his wife was pregnant at the time and now we are seeing like a descendant of the toy maker who's an architect
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he's like having these visions and stuff and when the demon woman who's still alive from the 1700s finds out that uh the descendant of the toy maker is around. She she wants him for some reason. Again, I don't really know what she wants him to do—make more puzzle boxes or something. But like, oh, that's what they want to open the doors to hell like fully or whatever. Yeah. Like he created a box. the The original toy maker created a box that could like open a gateway. But then like she wants this guy to make something that'll like fully open the floodgates of mm-hmm. hell or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like just and it's then...
0: currently just a trickle they want the the full <laughs> yeah the full opening
1: and then uh he ends up fighting with the cenobites and everything and then in the far future in 2127 it's like this is yet another descendant of that line of people and he's trying to like destroy the cenobites once and for all i guess i wouldn't have thought that that was a thing you could do but right i don't know again you know i don't really fully understand all the logic of this franchise and uh as you insinuated maybe nobody does Right. Well, also,
0: I mean, partly at fault for that, I mean, this movie is directed by one Alan Smithy. (laughs) Right. How could I forget? How could we forget? So, I mean, that could be the first sign of our problem. (laughs) I mean, I sat down to watch this, and I texted you just a picture of, directed by Alan Smithy. (laughs) So we knew right there, like, uh, what kind of action we were in for. Milzy. I know it's come up before, but tell people... What are you in for? What do you got an Alan
1: Smithy movie? So, for anybody who doesn't know, Alan Smithy is—I did—I actually read up on this a little bit. I didn't know it was "quote unquote" official. Like this was something that was like sanctioned by the Directors Guild of America. Mm-hmm. I always knew that Alan Smithy was like the name that you would put on a movie if the director decided they didn't want their name associated with the film they'd made. <laughs> but so this is from Wikipedia. Alan Smithy is an official pseudonym used by film directors who wish to disown a project, coined in 1968 and used until it was formally discontinued in 2000. It was the sole pseudonym used by members of the Directors Guild of America when a director dissatisfied with the final product proved to the satisfaction of a guild panel that they had not been able to exercise creative control over a film. The director was also required by guild rules not to discuss the circumstances Mm. leading to the movie or even to acknowledge being the project's director. Now, some of that I feel like has been a little lax over the years. Yes. Um, Like maybe that was the intention back in the 60s when they first came up with it, but um, yeah, so Alan Smithy, basically the way that that name got onto this film is uh, when they were planning to make uh, Hellraiser 4, They went to a couple of different people. Stuart Gordon was, like, at least approached at one point, if not attached, to direct this movie at some time. And they ended up settling on this guy, Kevin Yeager, who had only ever directed two episodes of Tales from the Crypt. And aside from those, the only other thing he has now directed is this movie. Hmm. (laughs) Trouble. He was, like, a makeup and special effects guy who worked on a bunch of stuff, like the 4th Friday the 13th nightmare on elm street two and three child's play bill and ted's excellent adventure a whole bunch of stuff and so he came on he i guess the studio liked the script and then they shot it and as soon as they saw the script like put on film they hated it (laughs) and so they wanted all of these changes namely they wanted to give the film a happy ending because i guess it originally didn't have one They wanted to introduce Pinhead earlier in the film because I guess in the original version, he doesn't come in until towards the end or at least the middle. Mm -hmm. And they wanted it to be 25 minutes shorter. (laughs) so That's a lot. I mean, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. Um, The shoot was apparently very difficult anyway. Doug Bradley, who plays Pinhead, refers to this movie as, quote unquote, the shoot from hell. Mm. And uh, Jaeger, like... It seems like he was like, I'm done. I finished the fucking movie. I'm doing nothing else on it. So he declined to do the new scenes, and uh, they brought on Joe Chappelle, who is mostly known for TV. He's directed some episodes of The Wire. He's worked on Fringe, and he's directed a ton of episodes of different CSI shows, and he finished it off. But I guess at the end of the day, Kevin Yeager didn't want his name on it because he didn't like the changes. I don't know if Joe Chappelle didn't do enough that they thought he deserved director's credit or something. So Alan Smithy
0: it is. And it's like, I mean, I guess now they they don't use it now because since the internet, I mean, everyone, far more people would know about Alan Smithy because you'd be like, I'm not going nowhere near that movie. You know, whatever it is. Yeah, potentially.
1: Uh, We have actually watched a movie that has a tie to Alan Smithy before for Mm -hmm. the show. Uh, Doing my research, I found that Alan Smithy has been used on theatrical releases approximately 40 times. But then there's also the cases where if a movie is like the edit is changed for either a television release or like we've talked before about when an airline will like edit a film. To be like, so they can show it in the airline, you know, during flights. Mm -hmm. It is possible for a director to have their name removed from that specific cut of the film. Uh, Noteworthy instances of this are Dune by David Lynch, Heat by Michael Mann, and both Scent of a Woman and Meet Joe Black, directed by Martin Brest. And we've actually talked about both of those.
0: I was going to say, yeah, I there's some alumni there for us yeah so pretty wild i mean i knew about it going in so yeah as soon as i saw that i was like yes i was nodding my head i was like jack nicholson (laughs) nodding yes finally (laughs) an alan smithy review oh man so yeah you kind of feel like it's weird the the connective tissue of these like three different scenarios in the movie i mean it's just like the the family lineage i almost like thought like they don't give you any indication like how the the one in the future, like how he knows about the, the family's history. Yeah. I mean the second one, I mean he's kind of uh he's like you said, he's an architect. I think they found didn't they find the the box in like the cement pillar inside yeah, the building? Or I don't something? fully
1: understand that. When the demon woman shows up, she like punches a hole in this pillar and there's a puzzle box yeah. inside. Right. But then so she goes to visit the architect and he doesn't know that she's a demon at this point. And, uh, she's like talking him up and he's revealing that like, it's almost, I almost get the impression that it's like, there's some connection to his bloodline. That means that, uh, he, his family will always be tied to the puzzle box and like Cursed whether or not anything. they realize it, they're like tapping into this power or whatever because he shows what he's working on and he's like designing like this new futuristic version of the puzzle box that uses like lasers or something mm-hmm. and it's all based on like his ancient ancestors' designs because like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Um, You would think like the reason that this guy's bloodline Would be tied to the puzzle box as if his father had, like, created the, or his grandfather, or whatever, like, relative had created the puzzle box. But it's insinuated that the crazy guy Adam Scott works for in the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. he gave the toy maker the designs. But, like, where'd the designs come from? So it's like, it's that guy's fault. And if the guy just built a a puzzle box based on someone else's designs, like, why is his family tied to this thing? Like, why is he cursed? Yeah, and when the original toy maker witnesses, like, he sneaks a peek through a window and sees what they're using the puzzle box for, Mm -hmm. and then he, like, sets upon trying to create a new puzzle box, which can, like, reverse the effects of the first one, but it's like, he used designs that someone else gave him for the first one. Why would he be able to come up with his own
0: designs for a puzzle box that could do the opposite? A lot of things don't hundred percent gel. There's but... so much in this movie, like packed into this movie that they don't take any time to explain any of that. They just, they give you the line that he can, he made the first one so he can create one to stop it. That's all the explanation you're going to get. I mean, maybe if they didn't force them to cut 25 minutes out of the yeah. movie, it would make more sense. I mean, realistically, I mean, it could have been, it could have been like a pretty wild, like trilogy if they stretched the three things over three movies. Hmm.
1: Yeah, potentially. You know, I mean, potentially. I mean, I as mean, it is, the the first two timelines I find interesting, like the creation of the puzzle box way back sure. in the 1700s and the effect it has on someone nowadays. I do think that the outer space stuff feels less necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the whole reason they do the space stuff is so they can have that clever moment when the entire space station turns into a giant puzzle mm, box boy. to destroy Pittenhouse. No, let me tell you.
0: <laughs> so... Watching this, I was like, I watched um, Leprechaun first. We'll get into like sci-fi bits of that one. So I watched that first, and then getting the Hellraiser, I was like, you know, they start showing some ships. They showed this like space station. I was like, all right. I was like, this is still this is vastly different than what I just watched. And in general, it's like it's kind of just like a long, flat, kind of sail-looking.
1: Yeah, every time I you looked know, like that, whenever they showed an establishing shot of the space station, I was like, What is this design? I yeah. don't
0: get why you would right. make it look I was like, like this. Yeah, this is just like, it's weird. It's like, is it supposed to be a satellite, like an enormous satellite? It's like, just, what are they going for? But, Milsey, it, Milsey, when it comes to the end and that thing starts folding into that box, I'm saying, Don't do it, please. <laughs> Please, don't do it, don't do it, and then you
1: learn why the space station looks so stupid, God so that it can damn. turn into a giant box a giant box filled
0: with lasers and yeah, it's gonna zap poor old pinhead into non existent I guess so, I guess I mean that's yeah, I still don't fully understand the concept, but it's almost like is is like being in space what got this movie financed? That's why that that bit's even there, you know what I, mean? I don't like, it, like that
1: unlike the other two. Which, like, primarily take place in space. Mm-hmm. This one, the space stuff really does feel tacked on. Like, yeah. it was just a, an attention grabber. Like, oh, this movie's right. partially in space? Like okay. That's... But then they didn't really want it to be in space yeah. or something? Like, that's the angle they would, like, oh, we need that for the marketing. Let's put these assholes in space. Yeah, that's why I say easily the first two timelines are the most interesting. And I definitely had the most fun with the uh, the, quote-unquote, modern-day stuff from 1996.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the most that's the gist of it too. Like there's much more of that than the other two. Mhm. If I had to pick one, i didn't say like, the first. The first thing was interesting I mean, just because he's actually making the box. I mean, that happens so quickly on screen because it just has to happen, but even like more of that would have been fun.
1: Yeah. They don't spend a ton of time with the uh, 1700s or the 2100s timeline, but no. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff I liked in the middle one, uh they're like that uh cenobite dog i don't really understand why it exists but i thought it was kind of cool reminds you of the chatterer
0: the way that its mouth is constantly like clicking mm. i see that connection which i did like the chatter i wasn't like crazy about the dog there's a couple bits of like dog action that were pretty interesting but i don't know i th- kind of just my general like hellraiser feel when the dog shows up i'm just like oh of course i got a dog I was
1: like, <laughs> yeah, like I don't know why there was a dog, but
0: I th- I thought it was interesting looking. Was like, they, got that, they got those weird twins that got like twisted into one creature.
1: Yeah, that one, he looks kind of stupid when he is a Cenobite, but that scene where they twist them together, as yeah. you say, uh, it's very surreal. And I thought that was kind of cool. It is. It's
0: a good effect, like practical wise, too, like pulling it off. It's too bad, like you said, how it looks in the end when he's actually a Cenobite, But uh, yeah, pretty crazy scene when he gets they they go for it, twisting two people together into one. Yeah,
1: it was, that was kind of neat. And then, I mean, Pinhead himself. I I I I dig Doug Bradley. I dig Pinhead. There's like one cool moment that, in general, it's like all these characters, Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger. It's like they're such a part of pop culture that it's like. I don't I don't know how effective they are anymore. Like, if you were an audience member seeing, like, Friday the 13th or Hellraiser when they first came out, probably would have been pretty badass. But at this point, I feel like I'm so desensitized to all this stuff mm-hmm. that it doesn't have that big of an effect. But there was a, what I thought was a really creepy moment in uh, the scene where, during the 1996 timeline, they're in the architect's house, and the wife goes down into the basement in an incredibly confusingly long hallway to get mm-hmm. to their uh, oh, right their laundry there. room. It's like, you go down a set of stairs and then you have to walk down like a hundred yard creepy dark hallway to get to the regular old laundry room. Like, why not just put it at the bottom of the stairs? This is a weird as shit building. It's just to like give that gothic vibe, I guess. But yeah, then totally. she like hears a scream, runs upstairs and her son is missing. And so she like runs to the top of this flight of stairs and she sees him down below and he's just kind of standing there and it's like there's this angled wall right on the side of the frame that's like covering up whatever would be right next to him and the mother says like come up here and he and he goes he won't let me (laughs) and then the mother like kind of steps to the side slowly and the camera pans and you see like right behind that wall is a pinhead like holding the kid Mm -hmm. i i thought that was a really creepy moment i mean i'll give
0: you that because the the way they stage it and like Totally, how they just show the way this crazy fucking layout of this this house is, but yeah, they set it up just perfectly just so you see it just like that, and it is creepy. I'll give mm-hmm. that because if
1: yeah, just was, a kid standing there with Pinhead, like he was standing there the whole time, mm-hmm. but she didn't notice him, and
0: yeah, if I came around that corner and I saw that, I'd be you know in trouble. I think
1: was his line. She says like, "What do you want?" And Pinhead's like, "Bait,
0: live bait, <laughs> or something like that." It's either that or like. There's multiple times during this where I don't know if this is like in all movies, but I feel like I definitely noticed this one where I was like, it's like just like very melodramatic like uh, dialogue. Sometimes I was just like, I was like, I feel like I I could uh, think some of this was like you know early two thousands like new metal lyrics or like <laughs> pinhead. I mean <laughs> dialogue. Pinhead has always had this kind of
1: like. Fucked up, dark Shakespearean vibe to him, where everything is so right.
0: matter of fact. and like Your pain is my survival, and
1: always saying such like such weird, yeah. creepy things, horny stuff, vague. You know, we have such sights to show you. <laughs> like I don't know.
0: Yeah, I dig pinheads vibe. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's the goth in get you, Mills. I guess maybe, maybe. <laughs> It could I see them like wanting more Pinhead. I don't know at what point he would have come in in the original cut. I mean, you come to Hellraiser for Pinhead, though. So it makes sense to have him in there more. I guess. I mean, I, I just
1: wonder, like, how early or how not early, as it were, was he supposed to be in the right. original cut? Like, they show him in the opening scene when you see uh, the guy in the future, like, summon him. Mm hmm. Like, Is that what they added, or was he not originally supposed to be in that like middle sequence? I can't imagine
0: that well, yeah. Because then, like, for me, it's like the, I don't know why I just think of Hellraiser, like, he's supposed to be there. So, it, and I still never quite got is she trying to just summon Pinhead or just any demon, all demons, you know? what I mean, like, yeah, I don't kind of miss that know. part of it. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I enjoyed this one overall. It does have its problems, one of them being that you can feel that there Maybe were some wires crossed with the Concept when they were making yeah. It but uh yeah I can't fully Explain what exactly the The demon woman
0: in the skin sock Wanted <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Oh but it's empty Skin sock and then like <laughs> she, Later on when like her cenobite Form she's like her her skin Is like peeled off her head And then it's like tied to her shoulders Yeah and I was like, shout out to Todd McFarlane and his toys, but that's just <laughs> what that felt like. I mean, not even just the Cenobite one, but it's just-
1: I mean, yeah, Todd McFarlane with his, uh, what were they called? The. Uh, <sighs> God, he had that line of toys that weren't based on anything. Oh, right. Twisted Souls. Yes. Uh,
0: he was obviously just ripping off. Right. Which, Hellraiser. Again. But- not my thing, but it's when it's like, you know, it's when you're just like sitting down with a cock, you know, uh, with a napkin, just trying to figure out, like, oh. What's like gross we could do to <laughs> the human body? I uh, already filled some guy's face with pins, you know. Chatterer, a weird dog, you know. I just peel his lay's head back. Oh, okay, i <laughs> yeah. oh, tie it to our shoulders. Yeah. Oh man.
1: Simultaneously, feels like it takes a lot and very little imagination to come up yeah, with something 100%, like that. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's actually a great, great way to describe that. <laughs> So did uh, did Hellraiser Bloodline end up uh, turning
0: you around on uh, your opinion on Hellraiser in general? I, I would I would say it was more of the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the best way I could put more of the same. I still think I probably saw more like impressive practical effects in the original one, which is probably oh, yeah. pretty standard anyways. But
1: that dude's body like melting up out of yeah. the floor and reforming is like I do remember that being a pretty beautiful cool. special effect. Nothing quite like that
0: This one just This feels like an Alan Smithy production to me
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess I can't argue that (laughs) Shall we move on To
0: our second film? I mean I know you're excited
1: (laughs) I can't wait Not directed by Alan Smithy From 1997 We have Leprechaun 4 In space
0: Oh daddy boy The vibes of
1: What's the matter, lad? Don't like me singing?
0: Listen to me. I got no fight with you. You want that alien broad tanker? Hell, I don't care. You understand? I just want to live. Of course you do. But I'm not after you, lad. You're not? No. A matter of fact, I could use your help. Oh, yeah?
1: Yeah. Maybe we could be partners. Yeah, that'd be okay with me. Uh, but uh, I don't know if I could trust you, lad. No, nah, you could trust me. Now, uh, let's talk it over, face to face. Sure, why not? Where are you? Uh, over here, behind these pipes. Be right there. Where are you, Daddy Boy?
0: Right? Here.
1: And in fact, this movie is actually directed by somebody I'm familiar with. Go on. Both this and I think Leprechaun 3, which again I have not seen, are directed by Brian Trenchard-Smith, who is an Australian director who made such films as uh, Turkey Shoot, which is one of these like rich people hunting poor people kind of movies. Okay. BMX Bandits with a young Nicole Kidman. (laughs) Uh, Yes, Australia. And... uh, Dead End Drive In, which is a movie I watched within the last year, uh, that I got from Arrow Video. It mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Oh, okay. Uh, he, I know he's a favorite of like Quentin Tarantino because of a couple of his like you know indie movies that he made, but not for
0: Leprechaun 4 in Space. Mm, I, I mean, I guess it depends on what circle you run in. Oh, well, Milzy. Uh huh. I was watching this movie and I was like, I. Don't think I'm ready to say that the title of worst movie we've watched on Triple Threat has been taken away from Abra- Abraxis because <laughs> Abraxis is hot garbage. That's a high zenith to reach for. Yeah. But then I'm thinking like, well, you can be like the worst movie, and then you could be could you say that there's also could be the shittiest movie? <laughs> And does that go to leprechaun for in space? That's a question I ask myself
1: as we're watching. These are questions beyond my capacity to uh formulate answers to, I think. The difference between worst and <laughs> shittiest. <laughs> uh
0: I'll go out I'll go ahead and say this movie's pretty shitty. <laughs> I mean, objectively, we you picked three bad movies for us, which makes fun for us too, here at Triple Threat. <laughs> yeah, I was I
1: was pretty ex- I was pretty excited when this uh, episode came up. Oh yeah, yeah. I kind of learned my lesson as we watched through them, but uh, yeah, this movie this movie is just fucking baffling to me. Like, so again, I've seen the first Leprechaun. It's been quite a while. As I recall it, and I may be misremembering something. It's essentially like. You know, the trope of, the you know, the leprechaun has his gold, and, like, he's trying to protect his gold by killing the people who might get their hands on it, I think is what the premise of the first one is. And it's just, like, him killing, like, teenagers kind of thing. Right. How the fuck he ends up in space, I don't know. Like, I was tempted. Uh, so uh, I borrowed, my buddy JC has a leprechaun, like, six-movie box set that I borrowed from him. Uh, to watch this movie Mm -hmm. and before i return it to him i am going to pop in leprechaun 3 and at least watch like the last 10 minutes just to see if there's any explanation for leprechaun being in space or not i kind of doubt there will be but like this movie opens and the leprechaun who again in the first one was just like a slasher movie villain on earth is now like on some foreign planet in the far fucking future where we've got like space marines and we are aware of other planets where there's like a deja thoris kind of princess and the leprechaun is like fucking with some mining operations so they hire these mercs who are just like the colonial marines from aliens cranked up to 72 and send mm-hmm. them in to fight him and his goal is he wants to like marry the space princess and it just Millsy, who allowed this to be so complicated? It's just not even that it's complicated, just who the fuck came up with it? <laughs> is there any logic to it at all? Or at this point in the Leprechaun franchise where they just like, eh, anything goes
0: It's gotta it's gotta be that. I mean, but to me that's just like there it like who would complicate the if you wanna put if you gotta sell a movie Leprechaun 4 in space, just have him blink onto some space station. You know, like now you're starting throwing in the mining operation, definitely the Princess of Mars angle that's like kind of dressed like IG Magini.
1: Yeah. Like, why does this movie take place in 2096? Like I said earlier, I'm pretty sure that the next movie after this was Leprechaun in the Hood. And I'm betting it's not Leprechaun in the Hood circa 2097. No. Right. They just don't care. Yeah. I, it I, That blows my mind. This is one of those movies that. I've said it many times before. I have a real capacity to watch and enjoy bad movies, Mm -hmm. potentially stemming from me being a fan of MST3K for a long time or whatever. But uh, I feel like if you can watch a movie that's bad, but you can tell that the people making it were trying to make a decent movie, there's like something charming about it, and I'm forgiving. Mm -hmm. But a movie like this just the tone of it and the style of it and the dialogue and the performances, you can tell that nobody had any aspirations that this movie would actually be quote unquote good. Like this was just a quick like bullshit cash grab. Mm -hmm. And I just have no respect for it. (laughs) Like I like Brian Trenchard (laughs) Smith and like Warwick (sighs) Davis got to get paid. I get it. But this movie just from like the opening scene in like the cave That you can tell they just like it's terrible. Draped some sheets over some styrofoam and then spray painted it brown to Mm kind of look like rocks. Like it just uh, this movie, I I,
0: it got right off on the wrong foot with me. (laughs) Totally. I mean, once once you they show him in the cave with I just said like the princess who looks like I Dream of Genie, and there's like the worst like cartoon like trash like gold pieces and like little trinkets and jewels that just look like they came from party city just a lot of gold glittery spray paint you just know on a bunch of trash you just know you're in trouble now i can't tell like do they, they like someone making this movie has to know this is just like goofy junk but that's the point yeah i mean i don't think this got a theatrical
1: release I'm pretty sure this was a direct to yeah this was definitely a direct to video thing and I mean it's from that era where I can imagine them saying just uh, we just need a title and a box cover that's going to make people rent this and so Leprechaun in Space boom just crap something out put it on a shelf like that's all this movie is yeah there's no artistry to this film at all
0: no there's like weird, weird character. It's, it's almost like one of those movies that gets made and you feel like it's like lots of in jokes. Like why in the world would you have like a character, Dr. Mittenhands? <laughs> like someone yeah. had to have like cracked a joke about in craft services about Mittenhands or something like, oh, that's what we're going to name the doctor. Ha ha. We'll always laugh at it or something.
1: Yeah. It's just like if you have a character who's like a mad scientist and you need a name for him and like, how do you end up on Dr. Mittenhand? It- like, it could be Dr. Fibes or Dr. Johnson or anything, but yeah. Dr. Mittenhand. And it's not even, like, a reference that makes sense within the
0: movie. I, no, not even a little. I mean, they just do. They'll pull anything out to, like, I don't know, just have something happen this movie. I mean, at one point, I mean, Leprechaun pulls out a lightsaber. And he chops yeah. that guy's leg off.
1: Which is, like, you know, it's in space and yeah. we have a guy who, like, Warwick Davis was an Ewok in Return of the Jedi, so, like, we gotta get a lightsaber joke in there
0: somewhere. Even though I mean, Leprechaun got... Whatever Leprechaun's powers are, I'm gonna say they're do-anything-at-any-time-any-which-way-he-wants. For the most part,
1: that seems to be true. One of the things that baffles me is... So, the Leprechaun seemingly has the ability to snap his fingers and make his gold, like, materialize out of nothing. So at one point, like early in the movie, when the space Marines first get to the planet and it's supposed to be a mining colony, but all you ever see is the inside of this fake cave. So like you have no concept of where you are. The leprechaun is there and he's talking to the princess and he like, he brings in his gold. And then the space Marines like blast him and kill him. Seemingly like they blow him into a billion bits. Right. And then they take his gold back to their ship. And one of the scientists on the ship has this device which can shrink objects. And so, To make the gold easier to transport, they shrink it all down. And then towards the end of the movie, when the leprechaun is trying to find his gold, uh, he (laughs) finds it and it's all tiny and he's like freaking out. But it's like, if you can snap your fingers and make it disappear, can you not snap your fingers and make it normal size again? Like you create a lightsaber out of nothing. And Like I already said in the beginning, he gets blown to smithereens and then one of the soldiers like pisses on the <laughs> mm-hmm. the bits yes. and the leprechaun's like his life force like goes up into the guy's dick and then he pops out of his cock like later in the movie right. and that's not the only time we see the leprechaun get blown into a thousand pieces no, and no. just come right back to life in the movie it just i mean at he that g- point it's like there's no one ever explains any of the logic and so there's like no stakes there's on top no, of well, everything else no logic
0: no stakes Anything yeah, goes. like if they
1: were like, "Oh, if you if you kill him with regular weapons, that doesn't do the trick. Like you have to kill him with silver or something. Like at least that's something right. for me to hang right. my hat on and be like, okay, now I understand yeah. the logic, however ludicrous. Or but. like
0: he can't do this, this, or this. Or there's none yeah. of that for whatever reason, Milzy. One thing he can do is he's always got like a tech nine in his pocket." <laughs> Which is that like,
1: is hilarious. How often the leprechaun just resorts to firing <laughs> weapons like guns at yeah. the
0: soldiers? He Just like pulls. He see, "It's like one of those like guns and it's got like the what do they call it? like the fluted barrel with all like the holes drilled into it." It's mm-hmm. just like he pulls it. It's too way too big for his pocket, but that's where he pulls it out of. For as many like things, if you were to think like how many ridiculous scenes are there of the leprechaun like shooting off this gun he keeps in his pocket? There's double that amount.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's as though they said, like, oh, man, we wasted all the budget on, all the special effects budget on that lightsaber. Uh, we gun. can't
0: have him using magic anymore. He just has to fire a fucking gun. Yeah, I mean, when you see, I mean, multiple times, I, was like, I laughed because I'm watching him run around in, like, those platform shoes. <laughs> just, like, pointed, like, dead, dead-eyed dead at the camera, like, laughing while he shooting that gun. Just like, firing blanks. And he's got, like, the, the princesses <laughs> hiding behind him. i was like, what is this movie? <laughs> Whose fault yeah, I, is this
1: In general this movie I mean again I don't remember the first Leprechaun movie super clearly but uh, You know like uh, Freddy Krueger began as like Kind of a more serious scary character He did like silly stuff And fucked with the kids in that first movie Like turning the telephone receiver Into a mouth that like licks the main Character's face or whatever mm-hmm. But as that franchise went on it got Goofier and goofier until in the I think it's the sixth movie. It's like he's killing people with video games and like quoting the Power Glove commercial. And he appears as like the wicked witch outside someone's window, like quoting lines from The Wizard of Oz. Right. They've jumped straight to that with the leprechaun in this movie, where it seems like every kill is just an excuse for him to say some kind of catchphrase. And they're not even clever. Like there's a part where like someone gets crushed by something heavy. And the leprechaun just runs into frame, clapping his hands and saying, smashing, smashing. <laughs> right. It's just like,
0: I mean. I Who come, is this movie for? <laughs> yeah. Like, I come to these kind of movies for the kills, me personally. Even if, you know, Hellraiser is, you know, more of a fetish murder and not so much a slasher. <laughs> like, there's still kills involved. So, that's what I'm coming to these movies for. I didn't really get anything to love in Hellraiser. And even in this one, it's like, you know, they go, th- go through all these Trouble to get like himself blown up, so he can get the drop on that one girl, and then all he does is like knocks her off a catwalk and then peels her fingers off so she falls. Yeah, it's like of, of all the things
1: she falls to her death. Um, somebody gets crushed by some
0: like big box or something. Like I said,
1: yeah, there's like not a lot of memorable.
0: Someone gets like melted in that suit in like the radiation room or whatever. Right, right. But even then, that happens off screen. Just, There's the
1: guy whose dick explodes and the uh, leprechaun jumps out yeah, of it, and they you don't really, of, I think, don't really see it. Not that I necessarily feel like I needed to see it. But no,
0: they didn't have the budget for that. They did. Leprechaun. It's just
1: like they put a balloon inside of his pants and inflated it mm-hmm. so that you would see like, oh, something's growing in there, and then they cut away and out
0: comes the leprechaun. They cut away and then they pull a leprechaun out of like a pair of pants on a zip line where he like flies across <laughs> he the flies room.
1: across the room
0: uh, I mean, the, I was just like, yo. To me, when you get into the, this kind of junk where it's just like laughing at the absurdity, because it's just, you, I don't even understand how it gets made. Well, here's but, a question. Did you laugh? I definitely laughed on the zipline part, because it was like, I can't believe they just did that. And every time he pulled the gun out of his pocket, I was laughing, because that'll always be
1: funny to me. Like, I recognized the absurdity of the movie, but it was dead silent in my my bedroom when I watched it. <laughs> like, I will say that uh, I was under the weather when I watched this movie, and I had, like, an upset stomach, and so it was just, like, that might have had something to do with it, but this is definitely the kind of movie that I think I would watch deadpan no matter what my situation, just because, yeah. uh, as I said earlier, it's like, when you're... It's like they're trying really hard to make you laugh, but they're not actually trying yeah. hard, you know. Yeah, like I like their goal is to be so funny that like you can get high and laugh at this yes. movie. But me, like stone sober with an upset stomach, I was just
0: watching it like, what the fuck, totally. guys? Well, because there's like I I guess when there's that scene where they're like in the club that's on this space station, and then like there ends up being the the one marine that's like dressed as a woman and he does a dance number.
1: Yeah, he's like the the hard ass like drill sergeant kind of soldier in charge who's got like a metal plate bolted to the outside of his head and all he does is like yell at people and right. scream all the time and then the leprechaun like takes him over and like possesses him and makes him dress up like a woman and do a fucking dance number in a club yeah. and then he he fights the other soldiers as this female character and I guess like, like, what
0: the fuck are we watching? Yeah, like they make those things cuz I guess they expect people to laugh which you know we would be like that's horrible you know but then I'm I'm dying laughing at him just having a an uzi you know <laughs> like that's it's just a weird dichotomy
1: that I feel like a lot of these kind of movies do you know devolve into where it's like these are like technically I believe supposed to be horror films like they are supposed to have, like, innovative death scenes and, like, mm-hmm. a sense of tension and danger and characters that you should feel concerned about the, the, the safety of. And then by the time they get to Leprechaun 4, it's like, what even is this anymore? It's not a horror film. I mean, it's trying desperately to be a comedy. But why does this movie exist in the form that it right. does? It's just like, right. who is it for? What market are they trying to tap into with Leprechaun 4 in space with the cross dressing soldier? And
0: yeah, I mean, is it just the people that quote unquote liked the other Leprechaun movies? I mean, you, you'd find it still in the horror section, but like you said, it's there's nothing scary about this movie.
1: It's it, the, the movie on the whole is just a complete mystery to me. And then they've got like there's like uh, the female scientist and the one female soldier. Mm-hmm. Who both just look like they stepped out of a modeling gig. Like, Mm -hmm. all done up constantly. And, like, the female soldier is just, like, built like a supermodel. Sure. And the whole movie, I'm thinking to myself, well, they obviously hired these two for nude scenes. And then, like, no nudity throughout the whole movie for the most part. And I was thinking to myself, this is super surprising considering how trashy this movie is. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's a scene where the, like, space princess just, like opens yes. up her top and shows off her tits Correct. for a couple of minutes no and then closes her
0: top back up and leaves the room and I'm like what the fuck was the point yeah. of that like they just that's the one person they could find on set that would take their top off I guess cuz they had <laughs> to guess. have it. It's
1: and then like they had to have a line of exposition from another character saying like essentially that's like when the a mob boss gives you the kiss of death like <laughs> when when this princess shows you her nipples that means that uh, you're going to die or something like cringe at that point like you had an opportunity for like a sex scene earlier in the movie when the guy's dick explodes and you didn't capitalize on it then (laughs) you were just like yeah we need some boobs here just have this woman take off her top
0: for no reason i mean It's it's just you feel like this movie's just like getting written on set every day like uh today you know we're gonna try this scene oh we're gonna grow the leprechaun today yeah and like Brian Trenchard Smith
1: isn't like you know Martin Scorsese or something, but oh no, you know he's made a couple of movies that you know they had some interesting aspects and some originality and like I guess you know the dude's got to work, but it just sucks. Sometimes it might just be that like you know
0: some producers got enough money to get a movie made. Knows this guy can make a movie and says, like, you know. And he's desperate. <laughs> your job is to f- film this script in these amount of days. And I think there's plenty of people out there that just do that. I feel like that's what yeah. TV directors are, you know? They're not there <sighs> to have, like, any, like, uh, style of their own. It's just like. The thing it- that's wild to
1: me is, like, you watch Hellraiser Bloodline. That movie had a budget of $4 million. And, like, there's some interesting special effects and stuff in it. You know, like the. The and person, the, like the two people, getting morphed together, yeah, like we were dog, talking about, I'm sure and everything. The
0: dog, there's some dollars yeah. dropped in that.
1: The dog looked cool. Um, you know, there's some terrible special effects in that as well. But that movie cost four million dollars. Any guesses how much Leprechaun Four in space cost? Oh. With the sets that look like they were made the day before out of shit that they found in the garbage. F- Fifteen bucks and calling in a lot of favors. <laughs> Three million dollars. This movie Stop. cost. There's no way. How did this movie cost a million dollars less than Hellraiser 4, which was actually trying? Like
0: I don't know how either of those movies spend that amount of money, but there's <laughs> definitely a big difference between the two when it comes to 3 versus 4 million. I mean, in
1: objective quality and just in like the attempt. Yes. What did they spend
0: that money on in Leprechaun 4? Was it Warwick Davis? I mean, Leprechaun 4 is like filmed in an old warehouse that you're supposed to be passed off as some kind of ship.
1: Yeah, I mean it's essentially they built a couple of sets. There's like that main hangar room that the final action takes place in. There's like the little kind of locker room, briefing room kind of thing and like a laboratory and the the main deck of the ship. But then any scene that doesn't take place in those, it's just like, oh, we're in a warehouse overnight or like a totally. factory overnight where there's
0: catwalks and pipes territory. That's it. I couldn't tell you where $2 million of that went. Yeah. Even a million dollars. You'd think you got to sit and spend a million dollars. I mean, I'm sure it goes fast on a movie script, on a movie set for sure. But like, damn, when you watch that movie, I mean, it sure didn't go to effects, Uh, you know, production, design, or costumes.
1: I mean, I know film costs money, and back then they didn't have <laughs> digital. I, like this movie was shot
0: on film Like you guys just shot too much We wasted 2 million on film You got 750 <laughs> $7. left after uh, The food budget Yeah Who knows Millsy what a movie What a time to be alive
1: What a time indeed
0: <laughs> Twenty
1: twenty ninety six. 2096 What a time to be alive And fighting a leprechaun <laughs> in space oh, Fun fact mm.
0: uh, Movie's
1: called Leprechaun 4 in space The main character is a leprechaun The word leprechaun Is never uttered in the film
0: Oh, damn.
1: Since it's not like he's still like the little guy in the leprechaun costume and he's worried about his gold, but like they never use that term. They just refer to him as like random different things. Like, get that motherfucker or whatever. No one's ever like,
0: what the fuck is this leprechaun doing here?
1: Yeah. Uh, You're right. I don't have a whole lot else to say about this one, but before we move on, I will just ask uh, Did you recognize any of the cast of this film?
0: Oddly enough, I did. This is going to. Who, who did you recognize? This is gonna I wonder be, if
1: it's the same person I did.
0: <laughs> I doubt it. This is very random. Now, like you mentioned, there was like two marine characters. One was a doctor, and one was like the other marine girl. Mm-hmm. So she looks very familiar. But I was like the the marine, the like marine the female soldier. Yeah, the soldier. For a couple scenes, I was like, ah, I think that's someone, but I can't quite place it. I think at one point, the scene right before. Uh, leprechaun explodes out of his pants you know she's in that scene i said i I had to stop i had to look at imdb because i was like i know this is someone i just can't place it you know i'm thinking this is like you know 25 years ago like who could this be sure enough it is you're familiar with the show home improvement i am so home improvement who this girl she was heidi from tool time like, Ed Borland's um, assistant. Like the hot like girl. The the hot girl White of the yeah. show within the show?
1: Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I did not recognize her at all. I mean, it's been many a year sure. since I've watched uh, Home like, Improvement.
0: I mean, I used to watch that, so it was but, like definitely uh, like. Wow, no, that, that never even occurred to me. <laughs> I caught it as definitely like, that is someone, enough that I had to stop. And sure enough, I think she did a bunch of Home Improvement, Leprechaun 4. Wow.
1: I know. Debbie Dunnings, is that her name? That
0: is her. That is well, her indeed. <laughs> Never would have known that.
1: That is not the person I recognized. Uh you essentially have like two main soldiers, the white guy and the black guy. Mm-hmm. I recognized the black guy, Miguel A. Nunez Jr. Like the whole time I was just like, this guy looks so familiar. I've seen him in something. Turns out he is one of the punks in Return of the Living Dead yes he's like he's well he's to put it bluntly he's the black punk and he's got like the jerry curl right i
0: almost he he's not quite the level of that guy actor we mentioned before you know who else he is i'm pretty sure Hmm. he is dj from street fighter oh that may be true i (laughs) i think i can't confirm or deny
1: that but uh pretty sure i like to think it's true
0: we'll go with it rather than checking her yeah when i looked him up real up.
1: quick on imdb just the first thing that i saw like as soon as i saw that he was in return to the living dead i was like that's what i mm-hmm. know him from no I didn't he, look he
0: had further, a but... recognizable face but it wasn't i didn't have the same experience like when i found yeah heidi from tool time
1: and just for shits and giggles because uh i feel like now uh after we did our episode uh do the herky jerky and it seemed like every single cast member of those movies was on like a thousand daytime soap opera episodes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's now my favorite thing in the world to just see who else pops up in our movies that uh, have the same track oh, record. And I like this. <laughs> so the female scientist, uh, played by Jessica Collins, uh, she was in four hundred and twenty-six episodes oh. of The Young and the Restless.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now that you say that, and just thinking, see, like she one hundred percent looks like a daytime soap actress.
1: Yeah for sure 100% It'd be hilarious if this was like her one foray into film oh, but I can really <laughs> hope so <laughs> Yeah, I hope that
0: guy was DJ And I hope this was her only film role <laughs> <sighs> oh, Alright uh, Anything
1: else to say about this movie Before we move on
0: I don't know Guns blazing let's go Alright final film
1: from 2001 Jason X What are you doing here I'm taking the specimen well you can't i haven't prepped the cryostasis chamber <laughs> i don't want him frozen rowan i want him soft
0: we've already discussed this
1: yeah well i had to go over your head
0: i'm moving him to our Grand facility dr Wimmer, you can't risk transporting him through open country this isn't open for discussion his unique ability to regenerate
1: lost and damaged tissue I and mean, it just it just cries out for more research
0: And you're willing to risk the deaths of innocent civilians if he escapes. Yes. But I'm I'm sure Sergeant Marcus and his men can handle the transfer just fine. Sergeant. Everything's under control, ma'am. Dr. Wormer, please. Rowan, he's no longer your problem.
1: So, yeah, I had seen this before. uh, Remembered very little about it. Same. You know, in the years since I first saw this, which probably would have been around 2001, 2002, I have watched all of the other Friday the 13th movies. Mm -hmm. But um, when I did my big marathon a couple years ago, I left this one out because I had seen it before. So this was my second time watch. And uh, right off the bat, again, since we're talking about uh, actors who are recognizable from some place or other, uh, in the opening scene of this movie, David fucking Cronenberg has a cameo appearance.
0: <laughs> how does how does that happen? <laughs> uh,
1: there is a connection, I think. Um, so the director of this movie, uh, his name is Jim Isaac. He hasn't directed a whole lot else. He made a couple of movies called Skinwalkers and Pig Hunt. <laughs> I don't know what those are. <laughs> but... <laughs> He's primarily known as a special effects guy yet again. He's worked on stuff like Return of the Jedi, Gremlins, Enemy Mine, House 2, Look Who's Talking oh. to Virtuosity, Pig and Existens, which oh. is directed by David Cronenberg. So my guess is he got this directing gig and him and Cronenberg were buddies. So he, I mean, Cronenberg's done some acting. He's in, he's in some of his own movies. Uh, he's in, gosh, what's the other? Clive Barker, uh, Nightbreed. He's one of the, like, mm. mutant people in Nightbreed. Okay. So, is Cla- he's in some stuff here and
0: Cronenberg the one that gets a spear through him?
1: Yeah, he's, like, the kind of old, stuffy-looking uh, jerk at the beginning who mm-hmm. brings in all the soldiers to, like, take Jason Voorhees to his lab or whatever. And Jason cuts
0: loose, kills all the soldiers, and then fucking chucks his yeah. spear
1: through Krodenberg's
0: back. Actually, I did like that scene. I didn't remember that scene at all, especially no, that either. it takes place at, like, the Camp Crystal Lake Research Center or something. <laughs> I just love that they built, like, this government yeah. base at Camp Crystal right. Lake. They got him. I mean, he kills some guy, like, almost immediately off screen. And then <laughs> I mean, he gets, like, he gets littered with bullets, like, pretty quickly. I kind of liked mm-hmm. that little scene, actually. And then the the spearing, you know. That was pretty good.
1: So the premise of this movie is that, uh, see, like, so they switched again. I don't know the full details of all the legal shit with Friday the Thirteenth, but after the eighth movie, some other studio got the rights and uh, they made uh, Jason goes Jason goes to Hell, Hell, which is the ninth movie, and Jason X, and then the franchise kind of died all over again. Now, like I was talking before with like. Freddie Krueger and Leprechaun; um, these franchises sometimes become like self-parody at some point. And by the time you get to like Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, it's like it's more goofiness than anything. But it feels like when this other studio got the chance to make some Friday the Thirteenth movies, even though they couldn't call them that, uh, they fully embraced the ridiculousness and like the kind of winking and nodding relationship that audiences had with the character by this time. Mm -hmm. Cause one of my favorite scenes in all of the Friday, the 13th franchise is in the beginning of Jason goes to hell when they play off the trope of like just sexy young women, like taking their tops off and getting killed by Jason, where it turns out that in the opening scene of that movie, you think you're watching just like some, hot naked chick get chased into the woods by the killer and then it turns out she was actually working for like the government and she lured jason into a trap where they all these like swat guys come out and blow him into a thousand pieces and i remember thinking that was brilliant just because it's like they're doing a send-up of their own tropes right this one it's kind of the same thing where camp crystal lake facility and they've like got Jason Voorhees and it's like in this world everybody knows that Jason exists and that he's some kind of like supernatural killer it's not like you know somebody wanders into camp crystal lake and is surprised there's a killer there right. it's like this right. place is known for Jason Voorhees he's almost like a mascot or something which i mm-hmm. think is kind of funny but so they've got him they are planning to cryogenically freeze him cronenberg and his cronies come in fuck everything up And then the female lead of this movie, who is an actress named Lexa Doig, D-O-I-G, I I don't know how to pronounce that. We'll go with it. She, like, tricks Jason into a cryogenic freezing chamber, and as he's getting frozen, he stabs her, like, through the wall of the chamber, and so the cryogenic gases leak out, and, like, uh, the security measures kick in, locks her in the room with him, and they both get frozen. That's in 2010 it's supposed to take place. Cut to the year 2455 <laughs> the earth has turned into just like a barren wasteland that's being just like pummeled by nonstop storms uh humans have moved to another planet that i think they call earth 2 and yes uh there's a teacher and despite the fact that it's 2455 his surprisingly early 2000s looking students <laughs> show up on Earth and they discover this cryogenic freezing chamber. Take Jason and the girl. Uh, they revive her and she's like surprised to be in the future. And uh, Jason just accidentally gets thawed out, like uh, the creature in the original thing from Another World, and then wreaks havoc on everybody on the ship. Yeah, and there it's like Jason on a spaceship.
0: <laughs> and, gets and that's weight, how the ball gets, in this movie gets woken up, like by sex, like has happened in plenty of other movies, apparently. He can, uh, he can hear it or whatever, and then it makes him crazy. He starts killing everybody.
1: Yeah. So it's just like a bunch of the most obnoxious people ever to be on a spaceship
0: getting summarily yeah. killed one by one right. by Jason. It's definitely, it, I mean, it had a theatrical release. It definitely has like a sheen of straight to video. Yeah, I
1: mean, I see, I wonder, it looks really horrible now. Like it just has that gross early two thousands look to it. Yeah, it makes me wonder. Like, I I don't recall when I saw it at the time. Did I think it looked good? Like, obviously the movie was always ridiculous, but mm-hmm. did I ever think like, oh, the spaceship design looks cool,
0: or yeah, these special effects are really good. They definitely like went for it with this one. I don't know what the budget is. It's got to be higher than three or four million because they they definitely uh, like had to build a lot of things. Yeah, between eleven and fourteen million is what I yeah, could find. I, mean, I would say a good amount of that went into like sets and everything. It seems like they had to build a lot of stuff between like labs and corridors. And just, yeah, well, I mean, unlike Leprechaun, doors.
1: they didn't just use like the bowels of a factory. And <laughs> right. unlike Hellraiser, ninety percent right. of the movie doesn't yeah. take place in modern day. Yeah,
0: find some like steam pipes and stuff. No, they they it seems like they had to build a lot for this one. Yeah. Um. You no know, Jason's got like his gross like prosthetic that the the actor's wearing that actually gets like carved off of his face at one point that was like the coolest
1: effect yeah. in the whole movie to me because it was practical and it was just gross looking when they yeah. peeled the fucking mask off right. him and there's like that that like ridge in his face where the mask has sat for all these years and... yeah like
0: it's it was growing over his face or something
1: yeah, he's just like leaking green shit' yeah,
0: nasty <laughs> that was pretty cool. There's a pretty good kill, I thought. With, um, I think the first person he kills, he sticks that girl's uh, head in the um, like cryogenic liquid, liquid. Yeah, pulls it out and like smashes it on the table, and it's just like an empty hole. I thought that was pretty good.
1: It's not bad. I, you know, it's funny. So, like I said, I watched uh, Leprechaun when I was kind of under the weather. I didn't do a whole lot that day except for watch like ten hours of TV and movies <laughs> because I mm-hmm. wasn't feeling well. And uh, so I watched Leprechaun, and immediately following it, I watched this. And in both of those movies, there is a character who gets, like, frozen and then shattered.
0: Right.
1: And uh, I was crossing my fingers hard. It was going to happen in Hellraiser as well, but it doesn't. Damn. Maybe in Critters 4. Should have watched Terminator 2 instead. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. As far as kills go, like, you know, they do the cryogenic freezing liquid or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of other, like, like Jason doesn't use the sci fi in a lot of different ways. No. Mo- he kills, I believe I read that he kills more people in this movie than any other single Friday movie uh, previous. And I'll believe it because there's like 25, 30 people in this ship yeah, and he kills all lot, but like a lot of cannon of them. fodder. He takes it like that whole special ops team. Yeah. But, uh, Like, still most of the kills are just, like, stabbing someone or smashing their head against a wall. A lot of people
0: get just, like, their face smashed into something. There's quite a few, like, off-screen kills, which always pisses me off, too. Yeah. Just because, like I said, I'm there for the the inventive kills, Mills.
1: Aside from the face getting smashed with the uh, frozen liquid, the only, like, sort of different or unique one I can remember is... A guy gets dropped on like a giant drill bit and his body spins as it slowly (laughs)
0: slides down the drill. I mean, at no point would you ever have a room filled with drill bits pointed straight up, but... But in this ship, they do. In that (laughs) ship, they do, and it works. Because it's like kind of a gag, so... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, going in, they had to know this movie was ridiculous. You know, they knew what they were doing. Well, like I said, I
1: think that... When this other studio got their hands on it, they basically knew what was up, and they were—they right. weren't afraid to play with like the silliness and the tropes. Yeah, totally. Probably just throwing it all at the wall and seeing like what would stick and mm-hmm. if people would react to it, which they really didn't. Because as I said, this movie had a budget of between eleven and fourteen million. Uh, box office take was sixteen point nine. Which is the third worst box office for a Friday the Thirteenth film. After uh, the ninth one, which was fifteen point nine million, and the eighth one, which is fourteen point three. Wow, it's just crazy that this franchise was so big for a while that the eighth one only makes fourteen million, and they tried again and only made about a million more, and then they tried again. Yeah.
0: They like send them to space. That's it. It worked for Leprechaun Four. Yeah. Well, did it? <laughs> <laughs> so that at that point, someone was totally like what do you do when the franchise is drying up? You send them to space. Yeah. And they tried Yes, They tried it. I mean. <laughs> it had been done a few times before. This I mean, this is like pretty formulaic. You know, Jason wakes up, kills a bunch of people. It starts going really off the rails when they got like the killer android shows up to fight Jason. And also Jason uh, gets destroyed. Most of his head gets blown off and then it gets rebuilt into Uber Jason, which Space is the worst name. Space Jace <laughs> is the real name.
1: Yeah, that was a cool moment when uh, the android chick blows that hole in his head. That was another decent yeah. special effect. Oh, yeah. But then, like, I mean, it, it does feel like the kind of thing, like, when I was, like, I don't know, 8, 10 years old, and, like, a friend would be over, and we'd be talking about, like, our favorite movies, and imagining, like, oh, what if they did a sequel to this or that? Like, I remember stupid bullshit, like, being a kid and loving the movie Aliens mm-hmm. and thinking, like, oh, man, what if they made a sequel and, like, Vasquez died in the last one, but what if they brought the same actress back and she could play her daughter? <laughs> uh, just because, like, these are the kind of dumb ideas that a kid has. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that's the kind of dumb idea that a kid could have easily come up with is like, totally. well, Jason gets killed, but then uh, he gets turned into a cyborg and now he's made a metal. It's kind of dumb. Yeah. I'm kind of behind the idea of trying it just because, again, I at this point in this franchise, I think that this studio was just right.
0: going for it, as you say. Yeah. For me, like at least they knew what they were doing and going for it. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. Don't hold back. No, they certainly didn't. I mean, I think the Space Jace get-up looks pretty good for what it is, you know? At least, quality-wise. Yeah, he's literally just made of metal, like his arms are metal. He's got, like, some weird, like, for whatever reason, most of his head gets blown up, but he still gets, like, rebuilt into, like, flesh bits underneath his face mask, and you can see both his his eyes eyes again. Whatever. But, you know, it's not like they didn't just put, like, a guy in another jumpsuit with a funny mask. Like, they... They put some. They had to put some money into that. That get up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Even though I'm sure it was primarily made of rubber. But <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. It just feels very early 2000s, right?
1: Feels super early 2000s. Like it's so funny how uh, these are supposed to be like kids from the future, but their costumes are kind of futuristic looking. But it's like take the cool style of the year 2000 and then make it a little futuristic. Like the kind of slutty girl looks like she's just wearing an outfit that you would see in the early two thousands, except it's got like the front is open. So her cleavage is showing and it's got those little silver pins that hold it together. So it looks like kind of futuristic. Right. And just the whole look of the ship. If you go back in time and look at stuff like 2001, a space odyssey or alien from 1979, uh, There's, like, these distinct looks and feels of, like, the spaceships that they, like, invent for movies of any given time frame. Mm -hmm. This one, the spaceship design, looks like something out of Austin Powers to me. Like, it has this (laughs) weird, like, mod look. Uh What is up with that hallway right outside the airlock where the walls almost look like the inside of a ribbed condom and they're, like, all curvy and, like, there's... These
0: like ridges running up the walls and yeah. I think it's like yellow. I know. That. It looks weird as shit. Like when you see that stuff, you're wondering is it like, uh, was this like just in the new line cinema like backlot or something or they had it in storage, you know, like what was this from before? Like
1: <laughs> They just slapped a new paint job on something kinda. from like a movie that got canceled in the 60s.
0: I have to imagine like those things happen a lot in movies. So
1: Yeah. Repurposing
0: stuff. Big time.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Movie doesn't look very good by today's standards. No. Um, that's why I'm really curious how I would have thought it looked back then. But I really have no memories of this movie at the time, aside from laughing at the uh, the black soldier who just like keeps not dying in the movie, mm-hmm. and then at the very end when Jason is like floating through space towards oh, okay. like their escape pod or whatever, and it's like random black guy just comes from the side of the screen and tackles jason away like that's the thing that all my friends and i laughed at so hard back when we watched it and like woke my dad up because we were just like where the fuck did he come from like if he was getting thrown away from the ship he was in he would have been coming towards the camera just like jason but no he comes from like off the side of the screen and tackles jason away and Mm -hmm. i just don't understand the logic or the physics of it. Of course.
0: I mean, seconds before that, they were surrounded by explosions, so it's not like they would have even been blown out of something. But, yeah. you know, that's the least of our worries here, Bills.
1: I think one of the kind of interesting ideas that's like a sci-fi addition to this movie is the uh, the like hologram room, like the holodeck mm-hmm. from Star Trek, mm-hmm. totally. and how they use it against Jason in like... In the final moments when, like, Jason is bearing down on them, they turn on that technology
0: and make him think he's back at Crystal Lake. Right. I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, that was the thing that, like, I will, when it came back to it, it made me laugh, because you see these two girls that are, like, you know, they're almost trying to seduce him, and they get into their own, like, uh, sleeping bags. And the scene cuts, and when it comes back, he's, what, he's smashing one of them in the sleeping bag with the other. And yeah. And like, throws one against the tree. I was just like, well.
1: Which is okay, a okay. callback to. Is it part seven? He does that for the first um, time?
0: I don't think it's seven. It's in one. It's. it's.
1: He six does it in seven, another movie. Yeah. They call
0: back to it. In, yeah, totally. Um, in this one. But. So, yeah, that got a chuckle. But, yeah, I mean, this, this one, more so than the other ones, feels like they, for regardless of the outcome, but they went for like sci fi things like rebuilding mm-hmm. Jason or Holodeck or stuff like that, you know?
1: Yeah, a lot of it may not look very good, and they may not do a ton with it, but (laughs) it's there.
0: It's there, yes.
1: Of note in this cast, we already mentioned the main girl, uh, Lexa Doig, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think is how I pronounced her name. She has gone on to be Talia Al Ghul in the Arrow TV show.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And (laughs) I was also a little surprised to find just the, the weird connections between the movies that I watch. Uh, she's in one of the Roddy Piper movies, like made-for-TV or direct-to-video Roddy Piper movies that I watched with Brian nice. a while back, mm-hmm. called Jungle Ground, which of I course. thought was funny. Great name. This was Kane Hodder's fourth and final performance as Jason in this okay. movie. Okay, okay. The guy who builds the robot woman mm-hmm. is completely random. He's the voice of Johnny Sasaki in Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. You're right, that is completely random. <laughs> I, I I played that game, uh, don't remember a lot about <laughs> yeah. it. Do not remember a character named Johnny Sasaki. Not, not even you know. a little. Me neither. The black soldier that I talked about who like comes out of nowhere at the end to save them. Uh-huh. He's in a bunch of stuff like Tears of the Sun, 300. Uh, he's one of the Na'vi in Avatar, not that you'd know yeah. because he was no, I CG. Know.
0: He's a face I've seen before for sure.
1: Yeah, the thing I really recognize him from is he's one of the soldiers that uh, takes on the Hulk in the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk movie. Oh, okay. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then the most random, like even more random than Johnny Sasaki in Metal Gear Solid 4, (laughs) Jonathan Potts, the guy that plays the professor that brings all the students along on this little Mm. excursion. Yep, yep. He's most known as as the voice of Link on the 1980s Legend of Zelda cartoon. Good lord. <laughs> Didn't even know that's a thing. It was a thing and uh he was in it and then years later ends up in fucking Jason X. Wow. He's got a good agent.
0: Does he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope. Jason X Mills. Yeah.
1: I've seen this movie twice, yes, uh, 20 years in between. Yes. If I watch it again, I like to think it will be 20 years before I do.: Oh, interesting,
0: <laughs> okay.
1: so I mean, you you broached the subject before about uh, is it possible something on this episode could dethrone Abraxis as the worst film we've seen?: I think Leprechaun is pretty bad.: <laughs> Leprechaun is quite bad. But Abraxas is a special kind of terrible where it hardly even feels like a movie, like it looks and sounds so terrible. And I mean, Warwick Davis at least has a little charisma, whereas
0: Jesse Ventura has zero.
1: Yeah. Like whatever charisma he had in Predator, I don't know where it went in Abraxas. So I think Abraxas is still tops, but... A uh, couple of the movies that we watched for this episode there are definitely c- runners-up.
0: Certainly, if, of anything since a practice to come into contention, it was this episode for us, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah. So>. Man. <sighs> All <sighs> right,
1: anything else to say about Jason X before we uh, wrap this bad boy up? I don't think so. We should talk some posties. All right. Uh, first up, we have Hellraiser Bloodline. There's a couple of curious things about this, such as why they chose to have pinhead holding a dove in the middle of this image mm-hmm. and why the only warm color in this whole image aside from the red of the logo and his eyes is the yellow on the dove right which makes me just think it's supposed to be a chick it does look like
0: a chicken yeah. <laughs> i mean
1: <laughs> but uh in general i don't know just uh the the color scheme of this and like the simple imagery it's like the planet at the bottom which gives the impression you're in space with the star field mm-hmm. Pinhead looks kind of creepy.
0: I mean, Pinhead looks creepy. I like. I even like the red eyes, which aren't a thing in the movie, but it yeah. kind of works here It's a, just earth. a nice little accent. For some reason, there's two things that stand out to me the most. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell the boardroom scene in the background is supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck is that? I didn't even notice them because it's just like I don't know if it's a poker game. It just seems like it's a couple like old dudes sitting around a big table. Seriously, who are those supposed to be? I I quite honestly have no idea. And then in addition to that, coming from top to the bottom corners is like a Photoshopped tennis bracelet. (laughs) That is hilarious that you just look at them and
1: you see chains, but those are totally not like industrial
0: chains. No, sir.
1: That's like jewelry. (laughs) Yeah
0: like i can't between the two things if you wipe those out it's so much better take out the duck too but um, (laughs) i did not catch either of those details um it's a lot stronger without those things but like what why would they put that i mean are those supposed to be like powder wig guys in the back it's so poorly done that you can't even tell i can't
1: imagine in that movie a group of like over 40s men like sitting around a table that it, like what I don't know what it they're doing, but and there. it
0: adds nothing along with yeah. those friggin tennis bracelets blow my mind,
1: <laughs> yeah, we I probably don't we've... need the quotes at the bottom either, a nonstop
0: nightmare no, and the most terrifying never. of all I mean that's always but... marketing department bullshit, but like who, who was like, we gotta punch this up with some chains, like, <laughs> I mean, at least never. chains make sense, I mean, yes, they use the wrong kind of chains, but. Sure. No, I'll give you that, but it just doesn't add anything. I mean, the worst part is the boardroom. <laughs> the boardroom slash poker room. Yeah. Just weird. Pretty close, but yeah. some weird decisions on that one, Mills. For sure. Not nearly as bad as the next one. <sighs> Leprechaun 4. Now, I did
1: read in trivia about this movie that the concept jumped into the mind of one of the producers because at the time Apollo 13 was coming out. Mm-hmm. And I guess this guy claims that he saw the poster and just imagined, oh, what if the leprechaun's face was on that poster instead of Tom Hanks's face? And that's how they got the ball rolling on this. Ugh. So I guess that's why they chose to like show the moon with the moon lander and the flag. But all that shit is not in the movie at all. They at don't all. go to the moon.
0: Does he even shoot lightning out of his fingers like he does on this poster? I don't think so. He does a lot of stuff, but he does not shoot lightning out of his finger. I mean, I got I to see the Abraxas
1: poster again to see which one's worse, but this one's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the thing is, like I mentioned earlier, this was a direct-to-video movie in that era of, like, we just want to put something out with a snappy name and, like, a captivating piece of art to grab people's eye. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was, like, different box art. This was just the poster that seemed like the one I saw the most when we were, you know, trying to find the posters for these movies. Mm-hmm. But how many times have we talked about terrible movies, either for the show or otherwise, that have like incredible posters or box art that totally like sells a movie that's not worthy of it? Oh, yeah.
0: Totally. All This is not that. (laughs) Like the movie's bad. This poster is also quite bad. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, this this tells you what they're trying to put across. It's Leprechaun 4 in space. I mean, they tell you that literally with the title. (laughs) Yeah. You don't even need a poster. (laughs) Yeah. But, man. It's just like every wrong decision you can make with a piece of art. I mean, they mislead you with the moon stuff, though. You
1: would totally think it takes place on the moon and would potentially be modern day because that's right. not like a sci-fi moon lander or anything as far mm-hmm. as I know. I mean, it essentially looks like no, what it I looks know looks just moon like a moonlander to... moon lander and like a yeah. weird flag. One small step for man, one giant leap of terror. Not the worst tagline for like a space horror movie, but again, that just makes you think of the moon landing and there's no fucking moon in the movie. Right. There's no terror either. Oh, that's true. That's honestly true. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, every every but. wrong decision is made with this poster. It's complete junk. Yeah. Agreed. It is hideous.
1: Mm. Uh, which Jason brings X. us
0: to Jason X. Was like, Evil gets an upgrade.
1: Yeah, I, so that's something that I read about this movie is that the original intention of the filmmakers was that it would be a, like, you know, people would know the movie takes place in space, but they wanted to keep it a secret until people saw the movie that Jason turns into Uber Jason. Mm. But then the marketing department just fucked him because, like, the tagline, the image on the poster, all the trailers showed him as, like, Metal Jason.
0: Yeah, like, it's something they could have alluded to without just flat out showing you that it happens. Could have been a lot better. Mm-hmm. Maybe. All told, this is a nice-looking poster, I guess. You know, yeah, it's, it's like... It's a standard, like, 01 Photoshop job, but...
1: Yeah, it's like decent imagery, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you know, it it's, has a nice... It's selling what it needs to, I guess. Yeah. Jason is in space. He gets an upgrade. Uh, mm-hmm. That's some kind of space knife with holes and... Yeah. Like, twenty bits edge. on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't hate this. I like the, again, the, like, bluish... Tone to everything
0: yeah that's very sci-fi 2000s f- f- for sure
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean it's not the worst not the best but up especially what it's up against yeah um milsey break it down for the people
1: <sighs> well you know
0: i am gonna be bold oh i like
1: it already <laughs> i think i'm gonna give four crushed bodies zipped up inside of sleeping bags to jason Ooh. x uh crushed even. <laughs> i mean i don't you know like the movie all that much that it's advertising but this is a decent poster like it's mm-hmm. appealing to me to yeah. look at this poster and it advertises what it is better than the other two i think yeah hellraiser is going to get uh Three poor saps whose faces all mm. get melted together by some crazy hell device. Okay. I like it. Yeah, I mean the things that you pointed out are baffling about it, but just to look at it, like the the cool blue tones over everything and the image mm. of pinhead with the, the top down lighting and everything, like it's pleasing to the eye. Yeah, and it's fine. It does get across, I think, what you need in that it's pinhead and outer space. Yeah. Because unlike Leprechaun, they didn't feel the need to just tell you right in the title. (laughs) It's in space. Meanwhile, Leprechaun, I mean, one exploded dick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this thing is
1: just hideous.
0: (laughs) If we gave zero exploded dicks, we'd give it, but we'll give it the one. (laughs) Just the one. Man, just straight trash. Yeah. So, by Borrow
1: Burn, I know where I'm going with this, do you? I do, I do. Uh, would you like to go first or shall I? Uh, you can go first. All right. Uh, I think I've made it pretty obvious <laughs> that uh, Leprechaun is just a smidge above Braxus for me in the lowest common denominator category. Mm-hmm. That one is getting launched squarely into the sun. I mean, an attempt wasn't even made.
0: <laughs>
1: I guess we, we didn't mention in the review that, like, the one kind of neat special effect was that... Uh, crazy scientist dr mittenhand when he gets turned into like a spider scorpion creature oh, via genetic I mean, meddling
0: it seems like a decent amount of money might have been thrown at that
1: i mean it's not the most amazing looking thing in the world but it's no. like a reasonable practical effect and it's yeah. kind of gross and there
0: was effort put there
1: yeah more so than everything else like in the end when they used the optical effects to make uh, the leprechaun look huge because he's supposed to have been inflated by the like uh that, like, uh, size-changing, like, shrink-ray machine that we mentioned, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that stuff looked hideous right, <laughs> by right. comparison. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I do not have a lot of good things to say about Leprechaun 4 in space. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay,
1: okay. Uh, Then, when it comes down to the other two, I mean, I think that <laughs> this may be a little bit of a cheat because we're talking about m- movies that take place in space, but I think the one that has the least to do with outer space is probably the best in my book. So I'm going to borrow Jason X, which I do own because of that Friday the 13th box that the shout factory put out. And I'm a sucker. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, um, yeah, Hellraiser. I, I don't know. I like the cut of, uh, Clive Barker's jib and, uh, the premise, like the plot of the movie is a little confusing. I don't really understand everybody's motivations, I could have honestly lost the entire space stuff at the end, but there is definitely a movie in there that I could really dig. Like with, you know, we talked about it the the two earlier timelines, the creation of the puzzle box, and then like you know the creation of the second puzzle box by the architect later on. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's some neat ideas in there, and uh, if nothing else, just for Adam Scott, I got to give him the win. <laughs> so (laughs) the
0: adam scott effect (laughs) yeah
1: i'm gonna buy uh hellraiser bloodline i'm gonna borrow jason x which is a pity borrow really and uh (laughs) i'm going to mercy kill leprechaun four in space and give that one the burn
0: damn i can't write these down fast enough pity borrow (laughs) and adam scott effect <laughs> Get the merch department going. And go <laughs> Don't forget skin sock. Oh, I got that empty skin sock. Even got oh, that. Sorry. Okay. Glorious, Milzy. Glorious. I mean, thank you. Have we abused our powers? You decide, listener. <laughs> I'm gonna say reverse order. I'm going to buy <laughs> like reverse order. Usually go like.
1: Oh, oh! I thought you were saying you were gonna reverse my order and buy leprechaun. <laughs>
0: Like wait a minute (laughs) Like what the fuck Um, I'm going to say I'm going to buy Jason X Kind of just for I mean it's partly If you're going to break down Just like the characters If I'm like a Jason guy A pinhead guy Or a leprechaun guy I'd say just Jason I find more There's more for me In general I feel like for the The theme This movie just like Feels like the most Like it should And is in its space Again, like, quality aside, like, they went for it with this one. So, I'll give it kudos there. There's, you know, there's a couple decent kills Well, we got this kind of episode going. I mean, that's that's the most I can grab onto. Now, I'm going to borrow and I'm going to burn. I'm just going to go rapid fire here, Millsy. Contentious, okay. I'm sure. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to borrow Leprechaun, in Space, and I'm going to burn <sighs> Razor Bloodline. I mean I know
1: you said that uh Hellraiser ain't exactly the cut of your jib but
0: Leprechaun 4? I mean Hellraiser is not the cut of my jib. I can give you like the nod in agreement that there could be like a decent movie in bloodline but it's not there so I can't judge it on that. And then if I'm just if I'm just you know going to like the the essence of Triple Threat where like I got to never watch one and then borrow one I just don't see like there ever be any reason for me to watch Bloodline again. I don't think there's anything like redeeming or like needs another view. Versus what about Leprechaun needs another view? (laughs) All I could say is like, could I see myself like sitting down with the guys to shit on Leprechaun Four and laugh at uh you know the Leprechaun popping up with uh pulling that machine gun out of his pocket a few times? I don't know. I think that's (laughs) it. It's uh. Can, Can I not be
1: one of the guys in that scenario? <laughs> no, I would force it. Make sure oh. when you come here, that's what we're doing. Suddenly, I don't want to visit uh. anyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it takes a lot. I mean, yeah, just, Pinhead just ain't doing anything for me. This movie, That movie's got, like, a host of problems, and it's just, it, I honestly like found it kind of dull. I just don't, there was nothing there for me. And it's just, like, an inkling of things I could at least, like, feel like I could do my own uh, mystery science theater with Leprechaun 4 Its face.
1: What about the Adam Scott effect?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's your thing, Billsy. I don't want to take it from you. Oh. <laughs> well. That's it. I mean, somehow we are in complete disagreement tonight. The funny thing is I actually
1: did borrow Leprechaun 4 to watch it. <laughs> But, uh, I will refrain from burning my friend's copy of the movie, and I will give it
0: back to him. I love it. You're, you're buying the, the one you don't own. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Triple threat, there, baby. <sighs> oh, I've done it again. What a show! Oh, Mills. All right,
1: uh, final bit. Uh, time to find out what we are going to watch do, do, next.
0: Do we have better luck?
1: I mean. Again, knowing that I'm the one who came up with the uh, the trio for the episode we just mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. and I fully accept responsibility, <laughs> I think you know we've got two hundred and thirty six oh, okay. potential themes
0: mm-hmm.
1: even with that many, I think it would be close to tough to top get any this worse. one on All like right. overall lack of quality
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, Millsy, let's find out. Alright, 236. 236. Millsy. Mm-hmm. 134.
1: 134. Uh next episode, we're going to be talking pulp fiction. I could dig it. Not the movie pulp fiction. No, no. But movies related to in some way the theme of pulp fiction.
0: Is this an easy one, Milsey? I don't know.
1: I don't know. Uh, I think someone could probably figure out what this means. So. We'll, but, look, um, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'll tell you. I'm looking forward to this. Very much. much. more. I mean, I, again, I was looking forward to doing the episode we just did because, I don't know, it's fun to watch shitty movies sometimes. Totally. But. We've
0: made a friendship out of it.
1: <laughs> that's, that's true. We've definitely made a podcast out of it. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I've seen all
0: 3 of these movies before for next episode and As have I'm looking I. forward to this uh, to this yeah, rewatch. No, this this is some goodens. So, all right. We changed we changed the uh, Juju back in our in a good direction.
1: <laughs> Anything could happen before next episode. Let's <laughs> sure.
0: Let's this
1: not be a- too hasty. Also true. All right.
0: Well, uh at
1: long last <laughs> for episode 43 of the Triple Throat Theater podcast, my name is Ryan Miller.